At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. It's me, your woolly wizard, Jake. And it's your bristling bruiser, Holden McNeely. And we are so excited to announce Page 7 and Wizard and the Bruiser live in Los Angeles, California. Wednesday. December 11th, 2019 at the Regent Theater. Tickets are only $22. And where can they get them, Jake? Type in your little web bar. Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. That's lastpodcastnetwork.com slash p7live. We'll see you there, folks. Or else I'll cry. Yeah, he'll cry. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kitzel here hanging out with... Katie Dirks. Katie Dirks. How you doing, Katie? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You've been running way too many marathons. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. We were hanging out at the Adult Swim, uh, whatever, some kind of festival, and then we were hanging out and we were all getting drunk, but Katie wasn't getting drunk. I was like, what's going on with you? And she's like, I have to be up at 5 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning to go run around a parking lot. Yeah. And to run around the Universal Backlot, it was kind of fun. It's crazy that you do that, because I, I told you I, I did one 5K marathon my entire life, and I got a case of the runs, I got a case of the dookies, the, the spooky dookies, and then I <laughs> lost to a person with special needs. I was dead last in this 5K, and it was for like Susan B. Komen or whatever, but breast cancer is still out there. I didn't, it didn't even beat cancer, and that's the only reason I ran was like, I'm going to beat cancer, and all that happened was I got a bad dookie issue, and then I lost to someone who was applauded as they crossed the finish line and they stopped applauding as I slowly sauntered past the finish line as if indeed I was like just some huge useless piece of meat that people were so ashamed to even have to see mildly running. I feel like we went to kind of a dark place there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I feel like if you come to L.A., we will do a 5K, and I promise you won't shit yourself. <laughs> You'll be amazed. <laughs> um, well, you know, speaking speaking of being amazed, this guy, we are, I mean, Katie, how happy are we to have this dude on the show? I'm excited. He's one of my favorites. One of my faves. He has been around, he's been around for a minute. He's been around the block. Yeah. Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. Sure yeah, have. for a little bit. You know him as Pretty Peter Avalon, 
aka the librarian. You can see him on all elite wrestling. That's uh, long for AEW. That's right. Isn't that exciting? That's long so you, words. That That's long words for <laughs> AEW. You can see him Wednesdays on TNT on AEW. Peter Avalon, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is This is cool. This is a cool setup. Everything's cool. You've also appeared in Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Pro Wrestling Gorilla. And, man, I got to say, doing it, doing a bit of a YouTube deep dive on you, which I always like to do a deep dive on the people that we have on the show because Oof. it's fun to watch how much you have progressed from day one to where you are now. Yeah. And I was watching some of your early matches. Don't. And you were, you were, <laughs> you were, you were tiny. Yes. You were a tinier guy. Yes. And then you fast forward to where you are now, and you're jacked, my friend. Thank a you. librarian that I've only seen on a Pornhub search. You are it. <laughs> you're you're a very saucy librarian. Thank you. That is the that is the the the, the shortcut, the term up there in the porno section, librarian. Uh, <laughs> to look for. No. Uh yeah, I just I as I got older, I just got more serious with my fitness and applied what I've learned throughout the years and here I am now. I'm still lean and mean. Have you ever shat yourself during a 5K, Pete? <laughs> uh, I've never run a 5K, but the next time I, or the, if I ever get the opportunity, I, I hope to not crap myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if that's 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 all about lowering expectations for the day. If yeah. you wake up every day and you're like, today, I don't need to make a million dollars. I don't need to like do anything extravagant. Mm -hmm. Just don't need to crap myself. And then yeah. when you go to bed at night and you haven't crapped yourself, you have just had a great day. It's good. It's good. It's all about setting reasonable goals. Does shard, Absolutely. Does, does sharding count as a full-blown crapping yourself? It's not a full-blown. It's a shirt. That's why it's a whole different. <laughs> that's a whole different category. I'm gonna say it counts. Whoa! Whoa! I don't want to. I don't want to be the opposition voice here, but you I'm gonna what? say that's sharding rough. counts as shooting yourself. Yeah, you maybe. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So let's talk a little bit about. Uh, what's going on right now with AEW? Obviously, you are kicking ass. Uh, your character, the librarian, AEW is doing great things on Wednesday nights. They have actual storylines that people can actually follow that actually make sense because they're well thought out. Uh, how's your experience been so far uh, beginning the process of growing with a new wrestling company like AEW? It's been amazing to grow with a brand new company. You see the uh, ins and outs of people learning and developing you see the gears in different people's heads turning as they're trying to figure things out that they've never encountered before or yeah. stuff they've encountered before in a different capacity you know guys stepping up to the plate as producers that haven't been producers before do you guys feel like because right now obviously again you only get one chance to make a first impression i saw that on a bumper sticker somewhere or something yeah crushed it just totally nailed it but do you feel like <laughs> the wrestlers with AEW have bought into Cody Rhodes have bought into the brand and are like every single match matters they have uh, the wrestlers are are i guess all in right you have the the bucks and and Kenny and Cody leading leading the charge and all four of these guys motivate everybody to to really uh, give it their all for something new and and a giant opportunity and everybody back there knows the importance uh, of this and if they don't know the importance it they know they could feel how heavy it is the the energy coming from the guys who do find it important so right if you could buy into that that energy you know you, you feel it totally and that's and that's becomes like infectious when you're in and and we were talking a little bit earlier just about like what a, a supportive 
surroundings does for creativity. It is. It's incredible. You, you, you when you just uh, starting your day at at the at the show, just to to feel everybody's excitement. There, I know they're awake early. I'm sure some of them didn't even get any sleep. You have. Uh, you have all four of the, the guys walking around that I, I mentioned, and they all have a different energy. You know, Matt and Nick hanging out, and, and, and they're happy to be there. And, and right. uh, Kenny looks sleepy, but you know he's happy to be there because mm. he, he, he gives that, that positive energy, and he's happy to be there. And then uh, Cody's walking around handshakes and in his suit, excited to be there. And it's just, it's infectious. You can't help right. but not feel excited to be there. And they treat everybody uh, like a top guy. That's awesome. You know, it's good. That's that's incredible. I want to ju- I want to take a step in the wayback machine. We're gonna go in the wayback machine. Oh no! I don't know anything about you personally. I know I feel like I can I can run down the checklist of things you've done in the ring and things you've done here locally. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? What is your backstory? How did you wind up getting to this point? Wow, uh, that that is a lot. Un- unpack. Uh, yeah, that well, <laughs> I was born uh, in Carson City, Nevada. No, no, no. Go way back. What position were your parents in when they had sex and then you were and then you were Yes. Let's go way, way, way back. Way, way, way back. Where are you from? What's your story? They might have been in the back of a of a sedan, I think. I don't know. Uh I'm uh, California, born and raised. Uh I'm K Fabe from Carson City, Nevada. That's uh so I just stick with that. Uh I was born in Burbank. I've lived in Rancho Cucamonga my whole life. And then I've lived in Sherman Oaks the past uh three four years going now gotcha so i'm just a california southern california guy born and raised right was was wrestling something that you kind of grew up with or was that something that you sort of fell into because a lot of times people uh we've interviewed or you know people who end up finding themselves in professional wrestling maybe they just started off in athletics uh maybe certain doors closed for them in that area because of x y and z god knows why athletics are some of the most difficult things a human being can possibly do (laughs) uh, with their life professionally uh was wrestling always the main goal for peter avalon and again if you haven't seen him YouTube, Peter Avalon, the librarian, some amazing work that you do in the ring. Thank you. I've I, I, wrestling became what I wanted to do, and I think I figured out what I liked doing as a kid. I liked like pretending uh, and acting and selling and and uh, fake fighting and all and all and, and combat and 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 playing in playing in that capacity. I found myself uh, trying to make. Uh, movies. I, when I was old enough to to earn like allowance, I saved enough to buy a, a video camera so I could tape and make movies. And it's like little action movies and like a jackass style stuff where I'll trip and fall in front of somebody and see if I could sell my ankle and they'll buy it kind of right. thing as my friends film far away. Uh, stuff like that. So that was always what I liked doing. Uh, I probably fell into wrestling as a as a fan. I don't know, uh, eight, nine, ten, eleven, some around that time. Mm-hmm. A friend in elementary school told me about it. I tried to watch it whenever I could. Raw happened to be on at a time where I had a bedtime. It was nine. It was nine to eleven. Ten o'clock was my bedtime. <laughs> so I grew up watching the first hour of Raw. Uh, so I got very familiar with Godfather and Val Venus matches and seeing That's Rock, hilarious. and seeing the Rock promos. Never the Rock wrestle, dude. There is something about 
the forbidden fruit, right? Because yeah. I grew up as well. I watched a lot of pro wrestling, but I also used to love Saturday Night Live. This is the early 90s, so it's like Adam Sandler, David Spade, Chris Farley, Norm MacDonald. And obviously that was on quite late at night yeah. for a chubby Ben Kissel who had to wake up early for Sunday church. So it was something, there was something about hiding behind the lazy boy chair in the living room as my brother watched it. So he would get the brunt if my father woke up and it's just like, what are you doing awake? Like, I would just hide out before and then I would just like sneak back down to my room. But there's something <laughs> about the forbidden fruit that makes it so like it just hooks into your brain and be like yes it's it's kind of bad to even like this and now i really love it i think that's like it's my parents fault that i am a professional wrestler so <laughs> as much as my mom my mother and father wanted to fight it it's their fault i guess so <laughs> this is a real psych trip yeah. we're going yeah. down yeah i love it we were, un we're unpacking a lot of deep down dirty things i mean hey that's what that's my goal here I, yes i need to take a shower and sit in the shower and rock back and forth <laughs> yes if you have any childhood trauma feel free this is the trauma? great this yes. is the perfect place to share it because katie and i are we're, <laughs> we might as well be therapists yes we have no education and our advice yeah. will be horrible but just feel free to cry because All it's right. that kind of show oh, I'll i will cry. say cry, I've, spent, I will. I've spent 15 years working in reality television and there's nothing more uh, important to me than man tears so <laughs> Oh, Let's you know, go. you know, you know how to manipulate yeah, yeah. them out of me. Then how do you feel? Whoa! Talk to me about how you feel. I wow. <laughs> speaking of being a wrestling fan, and speaking of acting, and speaking of tears, there were some real life tears when it comes to David Arquette. Uh, he did a death match that damn near lived oh, up to its name because yes. he almost died. But I know you played a role because I went on Twitter and I asked our fans um, if they had any questions for you. So this fan comes in from Kevin the Kevin at Kevin the Kevin uh, he says what was it like training David Arquette so you had a hand in training David Arquette what was that experience like for you being on the other side of the ring and just being like okay bro this is how you do it and you don't die uh, because obviously he damn near did I uh, I really enjoyed uh, training David Arquette he reached out trying to get back into it and uh, I became his his trainer we we uh, uh, would train sometimes once, twice a week uh, in Oxnard. And then he ended up getting a ring in his backyard and we would train uh, in his backyard and he lived about uh, five minutes, five, 10 minutes away from me. So it was a, yeah, it was a, ended up being a, a good working relationship because we it was nearby and uh, we could definitely talk wrestling and uh, get an understanding of wrestling. Right. He, he wanted... I, I like a lot of wrestling uh, theory and talking, the, I guess, the psychology of wrestling and the idea and mind behind wrestling. And he's really into that and talking about that and understanding that, I guess, because as, as, as an actor, you're going to do a lot of that, too, you know, selling and acting and reacting. Right. So he was really into a lot of that and, and really understand, actually understanding and learning about wrestling, all of it, not just like the physical aspect of going out there and, and right. body slamming somebody. And of course, David Arquette, he's an amazing actor, eight-legged yeah, freaks. Yes. Eight-legged freaks, that was, that he was really showing fear. Yeah. <laughs> that that was an incredible spiders. film. I would have given him one of those Oscars, without yeah. a doubt. He would have gotten a Ben Kissel Oscar, which needs to be an award show. An award show. Should yes, I, do I it. approve of this? Do it. I think that's yep, a great the Dirk's idea. Kissel Oscar show. It needs to happen. Do it. When it comes to people like David Arquette, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I was thinking about this when it comes to Cain Velasquez during that Crown Jewel disaster that was in Saudi Arabia, where Cain went against Brock Lesnar in a real fake fight, which makes yeah. it not 
pro wrestling and very not compelling and i'm not uh, even dissing on how uh, brock lesnar how fuck excuse me how freaking cool would i have you been oh, you can swear I, it I, doesn't I, oh matter. how fucking cool would brock and kane velasquez have been if they just gave us a five minute like pancrase style like fight yeah. Like yes. open hand, just take down, open hand, slap the shit out of each other, a couple like chest thrust, a big judo toss, and just slap on something. Like how badass would that have been? Just give me some bass rootin' like pancrase shit. Something. I I would have loved it. Totally. I actually I I I know it could have been so much more than what it was, but the way they started off like into it and kind of hitting each other, I was like, I'm into it, I'm into it. And then I wasn't into it anymore. But then <laughs> no. I, I, I got me there was a moment where I was like I thought I was going to get what I wanted. How how dare you? Uh, how yes, dare never, you? Never, never ask that I'm from just, Vince McMahon. I know. Could you imagine, though, how bad... At, like, if anyone could do that style of, 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 of a fight, worked fight, is yeah. Brock. Yeah. Like, yes. For sure. Because I'm not even dissing on him. I actually think he is, he is a beast, and I thought the Rey Mysterio match that they had... At uh, Survivor Series, mm-hmm. uh, that was you know it, it was, was kind of fun. It was, it was entertaining. It was kind. It was it was kind of fun. Yeah, entertaining. But what do you think as a as a professional wrestler? You've busted your ass. You've broken your bones, and then you have these celebrities come in like Cain Velasquez. Now I know it's slightly different because he is an athlete, but someone like a David Arquette. It reminds me of back in the day, like Dennis Rodman or Karl Malone or Jay Leno. Like when yeah. Jay Leno went to WCW and, you know, and WWE does, I mean, they did it with Mike Tyson. There's been uh, obviously Tyson Fury as of late. As a professional wrestler, do you ever feel like they're taking someone's spot? Like when you get, when all of a sudden Jay Leno, let's just say Jay Leno because he has no right to be in the ring. <sighs> does that piss you off as a professional wrestler? Because I just feel like, you know, when you're like a stand up comedian and all of a sudden someone who had a scandal comes back to the entertainment industry, they always start doing stand-up and next yeah. thing you know you're getting bumped because gary Busey wants to go ramble about what fear means <laughs> right um, and i'm not chitting on Busey. i would actually watch that in a heartbeat but does that ever piss you off as a pro wrestler being like this person just took their celebrity status they're not an athlete and they're taking someone's spot i in that, today no because i think they have to train they're held to a different standard because like the, all the guys you said i think put in have put in the effort and put in the work granted the money's behind it when it comes to like a tyson fury but right. he put the work in he was going in and training and working and you know you, you got what you got but that's gonna you know uh he was putting in the work and putting in the the, the time uh i think the same thing with kane he that's why he got hurt because he was putting in the time uh david put in the time he right. might not he's not the best technical wrestler but that takes years of polishing to become a solid technical wrestler david is not uh years a seasoned year vet like that in that sense but he would put in the time and the effort and he, he excelled at so much other stuff uh, yeah. avenues of wrestling and he would put on entertaining matches and I loved the match that him and I had at the Irvine Improv I loved it he was selling great for me and we had a great match right um, and then uh, like uh, I think the ba- another ex- the best example I think is that Amel guy the, the, Stephen Amel. the Stephen Amel he put in the time and the work and the effort and actually had solid matches he had a singles match with uh, Chris Daniels yeah. like that's that's right. hard work and he went, he went coast to coast he did some shit yeah, yeah. yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't just to go in there and get beat up a little bit like he had to sell and and do stuff and be in and do spots and uh, so i think they're held to a different standard and they have to they have to hang in there like a wrestler right. or you just kind of get you they end up they get the, the tar beat out of them kind of thing right you know uh or they just don't hang they just can't hang right yeah. but i think all the guys that we've listed have put in the work and then can hang 
Is there is there anyone that you would want to see in the ring off the top of your head? Sorry, I know that's a hot question. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, how badass would it be if, like, Keanu Reeves... Oh my god, that would be amazing! Judo toss someone or something, you know? Dude, I could see Keanu Reeves in the ring, and that would be pretty badass. That would be badass. He is very trained in his martial arts ways. I just saw John Wick three on the airplane ride, and I was like, "Yo, that'd be badass." If if we're fantasy booking, Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. I'll sign off on that. He's the champ. Dude, he could come out with a dog. Someone could be yes. like, he could be a face at first, and then someone will do something mean to his dog. Then he goes under the ring, takes a chair out, takes a kendo stick out, just starts going crazy. The crowd starts booing. Keanu Reeves leaves to a hail of, you know, beer cans and milk cartons being thrown at him. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what venue sells beer cans and milk cartons, but just imagine if they did. The, I, I, beer the, and milk. That's a good. Yeah. The, yeah. The, it'll, it's where we hold the. the Dirk's Kissel Award Show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It will be, that will be a farty affair. Nothing Very farty. Because it's, it's all, it's all wrestlers. In. And I, I had a chance. We were hanging out with Tyler Bateman and uh, and Royce Isaacs. That terrible people. Terrible people. <laughs> terrible people. <laughs> terrible people. And, uh, and Jay Raves. They are, uh, it's interesting hanging out with pro wrestlers because you all are not, it's not like hanging out with comedians um, because it is not a booze-fueled event. It's much more 2% milky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of farts. A lot, lot of farts. A lot of farts. I love it. Yeah, a lot it was, of farts. That was a fun night. We had a fun night. And they sang your praises. Terrible people. They're awful. Terrible people, yeah. They like me. I know. I'm great. But they're terrible people. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I completely and utterly agree with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. A terrible time, I'm sure. Yep, it was awful. <laughs> so when it when it comes to what you're doing right now in AEW, yeah. are you seeing, how has the reaction so far been on Wednesdays? Because I got to say, NXT and AEW... That is the night. Wednesday is the closest reminder to the Monday Night Wars. Wednesday is the closest reminder to the Monday Night Wars because both of you all are making each other's products better. NXT, mm-hmm. I think, has improved dramatically, drastically. And obviously, NXT was scared as hell because they're like, yo, Finn, yo, KO, come back yeah. because we need to make this another like badass, superstar-led show. And it's because AEW's Dynamite has just been like on fire. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and if we if we could push each other to have just better wrestling overall, then that just that's just better for the for wrestling the industry and just for better for the fans. Like we're at a time now where you don't have to really switch between channels. You can have one being recorded while you watch the other. Take your whichever one caught your eye uh, earlier on, and you record the other one. Like I wish I had that, man. I would have had. I would have absolutely watched more WCW in that sense if I had something like that. Well, WCW would always force us to stay up late because they would just rerun Nitro. Yeah. So then you had to stay up until at least midnight because then you got to watch both of them. Yeah, you're just sleepy. But the nice thing is when you're Ben Kissel, you skip school every day anyway. There so, you go. Yeah, what does good. it matter? Yeah, who needs it? Have you, when did you start, did you, did you start to see uh, any sort of difference on the independent scene pre-AEW blow up? Like, uh, like uh, more fans of the shows, more enthusiastic crowds, more, uh, more appearances, more personal appearances. Did you just did you see anything like that on the local scene here in LA? Just for wrestling in general. Yeah, the wrestling out here, it's been. I've been now wrestling. I just had passed my eleventh year wrestling. Uh, Damn. This month, and seeing the scene grow in the past ten years has been wild. Because like uh, five six years ago, no, I yeah. got into wrestling at a down point 
Mm-hmm. I, I like to call it a wrestling depression. Sure. You know, tried, uh, the time I got, I got in in June 2007. So bad things were happening to pro wrestling at that time. It, it became a real big uh, depression. Shows were, were very light and scattered and few and far in between. Mm-hmm. You right. tell people you're being a wrestler, they look at you weird. Like, why would you do that? What do you think it was in 2007 that Benoit, sort of led to that? The Benoit stuff. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it was the Benoit stuff, I think. You killed. think it had that large of an impact? Obviously, Benoit, for those that don't yeah. know, we covered Benoit on last podcast on the left. You can go listen to that series. Tragic. Uh, he killed his son and uh, his wife, and then he killed himself. It seems like CT he was involved perhaps some drugs and some alcohol yes but do you think that that really was the Benoit yes. scandal that was the beginning of an end of an era I really think that had a lot to do with the way people viewed wrestling people already had a weird skew skewed view on wrestling like you you, you know it like being a wrestling fan and telling anybody you're a wrestling fan you would get side eyes sometimes or yeah. you get questioned you get a little you know always Wait, isn't that fake yeah that's the fake stuff the fake shit even at, even coming at you like that that's disrespectful in, yeah. a, in a sense like like it's like oh I like baseball oh the the the, the statistic bullshit like okay. yeah, no oh, like steroids like you know what I mean uh, well there's nothing fake about killing your family that's what you should say there's nothing kayfabe about that but I think that was a downtime I got in uh like two weeks before it happened and then when when that all that happened you're like yeah I'm training to be a pro wrestler like oh why you gonna do steroids and kill your family it's like oh yeah that's hilarious my stick figure ass getting into wrestling I'm gonna kill anybody like uh, That's interesting because obviously the Benoit thing from the inside of the business as you were in it relatively new at that point, but that definitely changed like a lot because I know Monday Night Raw, they did a memorial and then I think about halfway through that live performance, they found out he probably killed his family. Yeah. And then they were like, well, let's just forget. Let's Oops. forget about it. Who? Oops. Chris, Chris, Chris who? Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, like, Oops. how did the uh, did the wrestling community as a whole? How what was the reaction behind the scenes? What was the reaction in the locker room? Were people completely stunned? Did you run into people that knew Chris Benoit? Were like that was just totally out of character. I was I was just getting into wrestling at the time, so the only wrestlers I knew were like my trainers, and it was one of right. those like, what the hell just happened? But then they tried to do they try to you try to continue business as usual and. And uh, they did, but it was just a downtime in in pro wrestling. Like pro wrestling, Gorilla was a thing, and then David Marquez was, I think, a t- trying to run new television wrestling in in the LA area, and I think that was really the only thing happening. There was a couple independent uh, uh, shows here and there, but they weren't anything to, to write home about. I, maybe UPW was still a thing, but they weren't what they were used to be. Right. It was all just these dwind, these dwindling indie shows and nothing worthwhile. You had EWF, which is the Empire Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be, they've been around for 20 years now. They were running shows still, and they would have lighthouses and and nothing to really, you know, call right home about like it's right. not it's not these thousand people five thousand people sell out things in arenas it wasn't really happening right. i saw pwg grow i remember going to pwg shows where we were only two rows deep on each side and they were still empty seats i was sitting in one of those in the front row with my dad he was eating a hot dog not enjoying himself and i was loving what it's i was like a seeing. sweaty in a sweat yeah, box yeah yeah and it was just two rows deep on each side but i went because uh uh Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin were on the show. Yeah. If you're, I mean, honestly, you can't trust someone who is unhappy eating a hot dog. If yeah, you're yeah. not happy eating a hot dog, you're not going to be happy doing anything. Exactly. You get get out of here. Just leave, leave me by, to watch this wrestling by myself. Eat the hot dog Absolutely. in the parking lot. And that was at the Reseda 
the Reseda oh, venue. I t- that place was so sweaty. Yeah, it's it's gross. I love it. Uh, dirt. Great <laughs> totally. in a dirt box. Uh, but don't you think that that era bred a class yes. that we have now? Yes, absolutely. That was to say, so, so Southern California scene is is very influential in, I think, the current style of mm-hmm. professional wrestling, like the PWG crash and burn style. Just that 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 just go style yeah. was a. Uh, I think a lot of heavily influenced by a lot of guys out here early on, like like you know Scorpio Sky, right. uh, Los Luchas. Uh, you had the Young Bucks that started uh, coming around in uh, 2007, yeah, six, seven, eight, like that, and doing their thing. And everybody was was doing this this just crash style and and mixing and matching uh, uh, Japanese style and. Uh, uh, you know, he has like Super Dragon with his Japanese style and stuff, mm-hmm. and the like Los Luchas with the Lucha Libre, and just combining everything into these incredible high octane matches. And right, is ne- never before seen a lot of that stuff, and you see it in PWG. I mean, it seems to me like we do have sort of an amalgamation of different wrestling styles within one wrestler. Now, for example, yourself again, check out Peter Avalon, the librarian. You can watch his matches on uh, Wednesday on AEW, and of course, find his uh, YouTube content out there. But you do, you can do strong style stuff. You can do some physical stuff uh, because you're strong enough to do, you know, the 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 big powerful moves. But then you're also agile enough to do top rope maneuvers. You're agile enough to do a high risk maneuvers. Do you feel like we live in an era now where you don't just like back in the day you're a big guy, that's it. You're you're the big guy. You're the high flyer guy. You're uh, you know or girl. Like it was very much keeping your lane. Don't. If you're if you're on the ground, you're on the ground. If you're up in the sky, you're always up there. Yeah. Do you feel like we live in an era now where wrestlers can really explore almost what, what like what's going on with the NBA? We play we we live in a world where it's positionless basketball basically. Mm-hmm. Like back in the day, it was like you're the center, you're the power forward, you're small forward, point guard, shooting guard. Stay to your roles. It seems like wrestling now, whatever the wrestler can do, you're allowed to kind of showcase it in the ring. And is, has AEW been good to you in that regard? Yeah, it's good for everybody in that regard, too. Like, everybody gets to showcase whatever they want to do. And in that sense, it makes you think because, yeah, I could do that stuff, but so can all a lot of other people. So if everyone's going to go out there and do something, maybe I'll do something different. So it makes you really think, uh, yeah, I could, I could, I, I have, I've, do, I've done pile drivers and head, head, spike stuff and uh, dangerous stuff, Japanese hits and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I could do Lucha. I've done Lucha Libre. Uh, I like a classic punch kick, traditional television uh, style, walk and talk, punch and kick. Uh, I wrestle like I'm 6'4", 250 pounds, but right. I'm I'm six foot, 180 pounds. <laughs> uh, so if, if I was built like one of those classic <laughs> uh, like right. late 90s big guys that'd be great although you want to have strong bones i just rewatched yes. the sid vicious leg break oh, no don't do that it makes me vomit in my mouth and uh it feels like i'm running a 5k honestly <laughs> uh, so when it comes to different styles of wrestling you mentioned new japan yeah. uh you mentioned you know pro wrestling gorilla what's the what's the most difficult lucha lucha wrestling to me is out of this world impressive what those people can do what do you think is the most Maybe not difficult. Let's just say the most painful. What What's the best chance you break your neck? Uh, I think just all of it, just wrestling in general. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think a lot of the stunts in Lucha Libre, man, they're very death defying. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of a lot of acrobat, a lot of acrobatic stuff, and they blow my mind every time. Uh, guys have such incredible balance, like like Phoenix. Ah. Uh, you know, uh, I love watching a lot of the minis. Like, do you remember El Torito? 
Uh, what was his name? Uh, Mascarita Dorada. Uh, he's the best mini in the world. The stuff he could do yeah. is incredible. The the planches and the head scissors and they're t he's he's tossing them up and it's a lot, the it's not just the the base controlling him. It's like you see him controlling his body midair to to grab you with his feet and it's just right. it's so amazing. It's and when so it comes amazing. to the lucha, obviously you got to play. You're you're performing together. It's a performative sport. You have to be entwined. And when you're on the brunt of a head scissors or something, like how difficult is it to sell when you're doing a high flying luchador match like that? When you're doing like, because to me it's always equally impressive the person who is taking the brunt of the action. Like if they don't sell that right, it's oh yeah, it's just going to be a disaster. Yeah, how, can you give any insight into that uh, aspect of it? Because I think for the fans listening here. We're still, you know, just getting into pro wrestling. A lot of the people listening are just getting into pro wrestling. So when they see someone sell, can you just say, can you express a little bit like, what what are you thinking when you're getting the head scissors done to you? Maybe it's a top rope maneuver. Like what is going through your mind and how do you know how to make sure that this looks authentic and also sell the hell out of this high risk move? Uh, with a lot of acrobats and stuff like that, it's like it's a, it's a, it's motion, it's it's momentum, it's da it's a dance. So you can ride that momentum out, and then you sell. You react to it. Like a lot of wrestling is, it's not acting, it's reacting. So react to mm. it. it. It hurts. It hurts for real. Where does it hurt for real? Grab what hurt. Grab what hurts. You mm. just you just pulled me over with my neck by uh, by your feet. So ouch, my neck hurts. Oh, but you made me flip over and land on my back. Ow, my back hurts. Like it's right. Uh, it's just as important as doing the move. Like great, you did the move. If I don't react and sell it, then it's not. It, it's worthless and meaningless. Yeah. So you could save save it with selling. Maybe it didn't come off clean, but you mm -hmm. took you rolled through okay. Ouch, it hurts. You know. Uh, oh, it, it hurt. It looked like it hurt. Kind of thing. Yeah. You could say you could save stuff. So it's it's real important, and it's just it's. A lot of selling, it since it's reacting, it should just be common common sense. How it hurts, like it, it grabbed your, it, it hurts your head. How does you grab your head? Ouch! Right. You so you like, if I mean? you like, got a if a head scissors was done to you, and all of a sudden you're grabbing your ankle, everyone's like, "Well, that what what is happening?" Even yeah. if your ankle is truly broken because of the move, uh, unless unless you you know went flying into the ropes and clearly your ankle smashed into the ropes, then yeah, I would say grab your ankle. You can you can be multifaceted with it. Ouch! My neck hurt, but oops, my hit my ankle too. Ouch! Like, right. They, uh, yeah, it depends on situation and blah, 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 stuff like that. Yeah. I love it. It should just come common sense, natural. You know, you bump, you, you bumped, you bumped your hip into the, uh, into the side of the pointy table as you were trying to sit down. What hurts? Ow. You know, you sat down, you're going to grab it. Oh, it hurts on my hip. Ow, ow, ow. Right. But it's such a skill because when it's done yeah. poorly, Oh, it's absolutely, so absolutely. No, selling can make or break a match, depend, yes. depending if it's uh, either guy, the referee, uh, anything. A, a bad reaction could really mess uh, stuff up. Yeah. Right. Have you ever had a situation where you were against someone who just did not know how to sell? Or maybe when you were coming up, maybe you made, a, maybe you made that mistake where you weren't selling for someone. And then what's that conversation like after the match? Because I would assume that if someone was not selling for you in the ring, that would probably kind of piss you off a little bit. I have a uh, a situation where I got out of getting my ass whooped in a match because I'm a, a fantastic seller. <laughs> I had a match at SoCal Pro in San Diego years ago. I still had my long shaggy hair. So I, I was probably, I don't know, two, two and a half, maybe, maybe not even two years in maybe. I was in this War Games style match. No, 
it was just a five on five tag. We were gonna that was gonna eventually lead to a war game style match. Okay. And uh, I had tagged in. I don't remember my team, and I don't remember the other team except for the, on the other team was Adam Pierce, okay. who's a producer at uh, WWE currently. Um, he was the NWA champion, I think, at the time. So he was a a bad motherfucker. He's big. He's bad. He's tough. Pile driver, lariat. If you've never seen Adam Pierce wrestle. It's dope to watch Adam Pierce wrestle. He was one of probably the last old school style guys of a modern era, and he just beat the sh- beat, beat the shit out of people. Uh, he was known to be rough. It's going to be a fight when you're in there. And right. I, 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 at that point, I don't think I had. I think I had some of those matches, but not with somebody like him. So I was a little nervous mm-hmm. that if when I was going to get in there with him, it came to a point in that match where I had got. I'm getting beat up now. And the guy that was beating me up pulls me over and he tags Adam in. And all I can think of is like, here it comes. Oh, boy. Here it fucking here, comes. Here, boy. Um, get your stripes. Yeah. So I, he put, he said, he, I, get, I get knocked down. He starts stomping me. And I'm selling. I'm selling the best I can. I'm selling these strikes. I'm selling these, these kicks. And he starts to stomp me. And he starts to have a good time. Put, uh, putting the boots to me. But nothing nothing hurts. Nothing is, uh, is, is really... Uh, like hurting me. Great. He's taking perfect, perfectly good care of me. And then afterwards, after the match, we go to the back, everything. He's like, hey, man, I was having so much fun putting the boots to you. You were selling amazing for me. Thank you. And I was like, I got out of an ass whooping yes. because I was selling so well. Yes. So I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. I expected to get roughed up. Right. That's just, you know, that's what you, that's, that's how it goes. And I would assume at some point, if a wrestler isn't selling, then you do just have to beat the hell out of them. If they're not selling, yeah. you have to like legitimately make them feel pain. <laughs> I've been in a, you've been in a couple situations where you kind of you got to give a guy a, a shot, a, a, just a, a, a snugger shot to let him know like let's let's do something. Or, you know, there's been times where you whiff a guy and he sells it and it looks foolish. So you know what I mean? So did you ever punch uh, David Arquette? <laughs> I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. He punched me, so I'm sure I punched him. <laughs> I mean, that's not every day you get to punch David Arquette. Yeah. No, I, I, I got my licks in, and he got his licks in, too, since we were learning together. I want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, your tag team partner. Ray Rosas? Yes. Yes. And your your history. What? How did you guys know each other? Where'd you... You guys were together for a long time. Me and Ray Rosas met at uh, a championship wrestling from Hollywood pretty early on. Uh, I've been wrestling just a few months longer than, yeah. he, than he has. And we were around the scene around the same time. And then we actually got the opportunity to wrestle each other on an EWF show. It was like, I was like a little more than a year in. I think he was about a year in. And we had the match of the night. We tore it up. We had this like, I think like a 12 minute match. He was then the cruiserweight champion of this little company. And we tore it up. We you just, guys have such great chemistry. That's that's where we realized it. It's like it's like yeah, man, we got good uh, like good wrestling. Someone the referee of our match was Justin Borden, and he said that we had really good chemistry against each other in there, especially for never having worked ever. This yeah. is the first time of us just meeting. Right. We just kind of stayed in touch through the scene because uh, we were, worked Hollywood shows and and other little shows here and there. And then at the when the when the a point in the stories we were in, he was in a story wrestling uh, Famous B mm-hmm. from Lucha Underground. They were doing something where they were. Like, he kept low blowing him, and then uh, I was in a group with Adam Pierce, Austin Aries, and Joey Chaos called the Standard, and we were doing some, some, some shit and causing havoc and blah blah blah. When both of these things kind of came to an end, they didn't really have anything for me, Ray, and this other guy named Rico Dynamite. So they put the three of us together, and we went into this angle where they were gonna. I lost my hair. Eventually, I got my my hair cut off, uh, and then. 
uh, me and Ray ended up kind of sticking together and anything, any angles that we would do, we were put into these angles together as, as a unit. And then other shows we'd wrestle each other and we, we just had good chemistry as a team and, and right. against each other. What, what, how do you, is there any explanation for that good chemistry? I don't want to be blue here. But it is reminiscent of sexual chemistry in some ways. It is. Like you have to I, work together. You have to like you know figure out how to how to make each other climax we, and yes. be the best you can be. Can you? How do you? What is that that clicks? Can you like put your finger on? Do you know when you're going to have good chemistry with someone? No. Or is it just like I had no idea? No. You you. There's an energy. Sometimes there's a connection. Uh, I I I've I've chalked it up to the universe. Uh, we're cosmic cousins. We ended up finding out uh, when we were already like involved in, uh, with the wrestling stuff. Uh, I I don't know. We found out that we have the sh- the same birthday. We're just three years apart. Aww. That we have the same birthday, June 14. So it's like we're Gemini twins. We're cosmic cousins. It was written in the stars <laughs> for us to be a team. And your intro just brings the house down yeah. every single time. And we it's- there's a lot of stuff that we don't know where it came from. We don't know why we started dancing. I don't know where that came from. I think just because when we picked the song, it was just it was just funky. We felt the song. We just started dancing to it. Uh, we came out to we come up to Obsession by Animotion, the old Saturday Night Main Event theme, and we yep. really nobody ever brings it up as a Saturday Night Main Event theme. They bring it up as the PP Ray theme. Yeah. So that's. I mean, I feel like no, you own that song now. It's that's, ours. That's, yes. yes. That'd be great. That's great. Absolutely. So let's because you're called the librarian. I'm the librarian. Uh, number one, yeah. I'm sure we want to get into how that character began, but let's go to a kayfabe question here. Again, going to Twitter. This is from John Tavern at Graybonades. I love these Twitter names. They never make sense to me. Uh, <laughs> but you can put your kayfabe cap on a little bit here. The question is, do you read books related to your opponents in order to gain insight, weaknesses, strategies, i.e. reading dinosaur books before your match against Luchasaurus last week? Um, so when it comes to your angle when it comes to you're the librarian peter avalon the librarian how do you approach what sort of style you're going to uh implement when going against certain opponents to make it seem as realistic as possible and to tell the story the audience would be like yeah that one makes sense yeah i'll do my research for like promos in the town i'm in whatever they've all been sports related so i'll look up a lot of sports related stuff some stuff i haven't even been able to say that i was able like i had some good stuff for nashville and i had some good stuff uh, what was what was too hot for nashville i can't remember what i got cut like it's one of those things where it's like you think of it that day once it's passed it's gone (laughs) it's gone i gotta move on to the next week but I, i do end up being like a librarian is i i will do research on these towns and i'm like oh wow look at the and me and leva when we get together we we both will start doing researches we have we have our phone we have our phones out re- googling things and looking up research and it's not just a quick we're not just on wikipedia we have we have, we've opened up a, a bunch of links through the wikipedia <laughs> just start to d- dive deep into the internet I'm like oh did you know about this this yeah. is a historic wow 1684 exactly oh the, wow this is a what wow wild town and then uh, the sports, the sports stuff, and uh, right, we end up just doing real research, and then she'll 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 check out books that have to do with like a titles uh, and stuff that we like. She has books that was like TNT for TNT. And I do like the she themes. had the dinosaur books for our ma- my match with Luchasaurus, and uh, so she's she's been really good at getting those books uh, for us. So. Do you, do you watch the wrestler like the opponent that you're going against? If you haven't seen them wrestle before, do you watch a match of theirs uh, to get some sort of insight into how they move in the ring and stuff like that? If I know who I'm wrestling, yes. A lot of the time with AEW, I have no idea. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. So if I'll find out day of, 
like you get you get you get to work and they tell you what's what's on the on the plate for today which is fairly standard in the industry yeah yeah i think it makes you a better performer you don't need to know like it's 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 cool to have stuff prepped going in Mm -hmm. but like I like the the improv element of wrestling. I think there's a the, that's a lot of the true art and true classic yeah. classic performance of pro wrestling. So if you don't really know what you're to expect and you get there and then like here here's what we need, then you have to now think on the spot. Like all right, and you have to think of everything on the spot. You have nothing prepped. Uh, maybe you have some stuff in the can physically. Like I know I do this going into this, and then I'll hit them with this move. Mm-hmm. Whatever right. that, that's standard affair, but the whole program they have to explain to you I need this from top to bottom and you have uh, six minutes to do all of that okay let me, cool. then right. let, me, let, me, let me go give you six minutes worth of what you need if that includes maybe my entrance a promo a match uh, and some after match bullshit so it's like let me, here's, right. here's your six minutes so I think that, that keeps you on your toes and makes you a better performer because you have to kind of think on the fly and implement on the fly no, and then I would assume that you have to trust your promoters, right? Because it seems to me, and Katie and I have talked about what Vince does oftentimes, and the most recent controversial storyline that Katie and I both think is just totally ridiculous, is Rusev, Lashley, and Lena. And they showed up for work, and then they're like, you guys are in an affair angle, and it's like, okay, cool. It really does matter that you trust your promoter, right? Because otherwise, they're going to be throwing you just a bunch of garbage yeah you you trust that ideally they have the best in mind and then they also it's also works the other way too it's like they you trust them but they also have to trust the performer to get that over because mm-hmm. like maybe i mean maybe what they're asking it could be outlandish like a, a cuckold thing right but then there's also some stuff that isn't so outlandish that people don't want to do you know mm-hmm. what i mean people have to have i think there's got to be a balance what's what's something that you don't think that a lot of folks would want to be or do because i mean even like one of our favorites dustin Rhodes, uh you know he does not like gold dust and like his characters were not really like him at all at all and he no. was just like okay i'm a redneck from texas but i guess now i'm sort of a sexually ambiguous uh yes. person who will be wearing female uh panties underneath my my uniform so is there anything that uh, that you can recall where the wrestler you don't have to name names or anything was just like no I'm not going to do that because not because it's like super controversial to the world but to me personally it's like no sorry can't do it yeah uh, I was actually just having this conversation there's been ideas pitched where it's like you have a lot of there was a it was a lot it was a years ago at a, at a, at the Hollywood show they were going to do like uh, a gimp and mm-hmm. a, a gimp thing and the guy didn't want to wear the the mask so it's like you you could say no to that. There's some stuff that it's like okay, I'll try to give you what you want, but I don't want to do that. Which I mean, I get that's where people have to find and what works for somebody, what works for somebody else, and that's that's also on the the the, the booker if he's if he's writing something that needs to go to someone, maybe you're giving it to the wrong person. Mm-hmm. You got to right. go find go find someone else to say yes to the mask, mm-hmm. you know. So that that's that's where you, you you get a give and take, I think. And there's you know, uh, like I'm sure gimmicks given to people were tweaked and then not done at all the right way like i mean he brett hit, hit, wasn't it brett hitman was called the hitman because they were going to try to make him like a cartoon hitman yeah and they you know run him that gear right he said no but he's still he's still the hitman so what happens to a wrestler then if they say i don't want to be the gimp do they get to work anymore or are they just straight up gone i don't know it, that depends on the relationship with everybody within there some stuffs uh some people get all the opportunities and chances in the world and could say no to whatever they want and there's some guys that say no one time and never wrestle again right it really it's crazy you know life's weird it's a crazy industry yeah life, life sucks then you die 
Yeah, yeah. I've I've read that on the back of a pickup truck. My good buddy Dylan Bostic told, told me that when I <laughs> shout out to Dylan. When it comes to your character, the librarian, yeah. obviously, you know, we have a a world now that almost every single rock seems to be, uh, uh, you know, unturned. We've seen in every angle under the sun from, you know, a shaman all the way to a turncoat of America as uh, they are in the military themselves. Where did your character come from in your mind? Because it is such a unique, funny, like, it's just so classic. Like, it's it's not... I it's like fun. the simplicity of it, but it's it's really something I haven't seen before. The the librarian gimmick was given to me by AEW, mm-hmm. Tony Khan. It's his idea, and they and the uh, the the producers, Cody and the Bucks, they want to get this idea over, and they right. said they said the person that could get it over is Peter Avalon. So in that case, the gimmick came first, and then they tried to find, I, I for lack of a better term, the actor to fill the role. They no, the, the librarian was me. And then they turned it into this, the, the fan contest, or the, the, where we're going to find a librarian. And then it just, this is where stuff just evolves. A lot, of right. time, a lot of time there's an end point for stuff, but on the way there, there is a lot of change through it. And at first it was me. I was the librarian. And then they turned it into this thing, the fan thing, where they're going to name uh, another librarian. Now there's two librarians uh, because Leva's video a- a- actually got the most traction, so that she won the contest for real, even though I was already the librarian. <laughs> and then now, right. so now, now we right. have now it's evolved into the two librarians. I, I'm kind of a, a, a Lanny Poffo type with my with my woman, mm-hmm. uh, and she plays uh, a, a opposite. I guess I'm the heel, she's a face, and right. we, we try to give a different energy, but then there's still clearly. Uh, an energy that connects us mm-hmm. uh, with our research, and in times where she'll help, she'll she'll cheat as well, and times where I'll cheat for her, and and things like that. And uh, uh, um, so we have a. I like the dynamic that we're going for. It's fun to play with, and and I do find uh, Leva and I having uh, a good energy and a good connection working together. The way I play the characters, it's just a tweak on my professional Peter Avalon character. Which was which was a uh, work in progress and and uh, at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood show, uh, it was my transition from pretty Peter Avalon into professional Peter Avalon. So I maintained my PPA, but I just became a different energy and a, a and a real scumbag at the Hollywood show. I love it. Yeah, right. it was good. After uh, Ray Rosas had left the ta- had left left because of an injury I kind of found myself uh, dwindling uh, I connected myself to the current matchmaker which was David Marquez's son Nico Marquez and we started running stuff I was the current her- I, I won the Hollywood Heritage Championship uh, as pretty Peter Avalon and then as pro- I turned into professional Peter Avalon and just you know turncoat became a real bad dude professional Peter awesome. Avalon does whatever it takes to uh, unbelievable yeah you know, unbelievable it takes and then the librarian just reads books. He's professional Peter with uh, Studious, you know. Yeah. That's good. You got to teach the kids to read. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I agree. Katie, what do you want to ask? Uh, I mean, other, I mean, I just, I like the being the elite stuff. It was fun to watch you on that and watch your journey. I feel like when, uh, when James and I were doing the documentary, Peter here was one of the nicest people on the planet to us. Thank you. It was. It was just we had we had a good time. Uh, yeah, it was fun. And of course, that documentary that Katie is mentioning is the Joey Ryan story. Joey, and Ryan. you can, Katie, you got to plug that more. Where where can people find this Joey Ryan story? Well, guys, it's uh, it's it's being uh, we were doing some legal 
cleaning for music Oh, who cues. doesn't love to hear about that? Yeah, so right now, nowhere. <laughs> but uh, we are doing the cleaning because uh, it will potentially be somewhere. Somewhere. Much bigger than where it is right now. So that's just nailed it. It'll it'll potentially be somewhere. Maybe. Stay tuned. Maybe so just you can watch go it. go somewhere and maybe you can w- find yeah. this documentary. I'm really Some, yeah. I'm selling it so hard. It's good. <laughs> I love it. Peter, is there any match right now that you want to have more than any match? Anything going on? Is there an opponent or a style? Is there anywhere that you want to go? Maybe you can put your kayfabe hat on as well if you want to. Is there anyone you want to showcase yourself against? specifically in AEW right now, any match that you're just like chomping at the bit to get? I want a match with Cody Rhodes. I had a match with, uh, uh, I, I, I challenged for the uh, NWA's World Heavyweight Championship, Nick Aldis, I challenged for his title in uh, out on, my, on my television show, Championship Wrestling from Arizona. Uh, we were able to bring the NWA title there and defend it there for the, uh, for the third time ever ever in phoenix like it was once Damn. once i think in the 60s one in the 80s or 90s and then our my title match so it was a big awesome. deal for arizona and i lost and uh but i've got i've gotten to wrestle former nwa champions like tim storm mm-hmm. and colt cabana mm-hmm. and i want to wrestle cody rhodes who is a former nwa champion because i think him and i would have a a great match. Yeah, you absolutely would have an incredible match. Yeah, when it comes to, I mean, obviously Cody with the CEO cap that he is wearing and then also being an in-ring performer, uh, it's a slightly different scale, but we sort of do that with last podcast on the left as well where we go on stage and then we're also uh, the main voices for the network and then we also own the network. Um, Have you found that he is taking his experience as a pro wrestler and he's more, he's just more focused on issues that wrestlers have when it comes to the company like i know vince put himself in the ring and vince was a commentator for a long time but i feel like nxt is better than wwe proper uh smackdown and raw because triple h has been in the ring do you find that cody has learned from all the mistakes that vince made obviously not financially he's doing quite well but just interpersonally do you find that cody is doing a better job of of creating a culture that is more pro wrestler yes I admire that about him uh, because I try to do the same uh, uh, for my my television show. It's not nearly as big as AEW. It's a local local to Phoenix Championship Wrestling from Arizona, but it's like you have a different understanding of of what frustrated you as a wrestler. You know, right. the angles not going anywhere. The angles just kind of ending. You know, uh, it's like stuff you're building, uh, gaining uh, uh, that you think would have some traction and momentum just, you know, stopped in its tracks because they, the uh, the booker or promoter or the person writing the show didn't see it or didn't think it was, you know, things like that. I forgot about uh, it. Exactly. So like, I, that's also why I want to wrestle him. I have that different respect for him because I, I see him trying to fix a lot of stuff like that. Say, and I've tried to fix a lot of that stuff at our Arizona show to make the the show more streamlined and the and the talent happier. And I think he's he's helped a lot of that. So have absolutely the Bucks and Kenny and all and a lot of the producers back there have tried to alleviate a lot of that stress and 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 that that happens. Can you just give an example of like what is a thing that they do where you're just appreciative, where you're just like you know what, thank you for this small thing that just goes a long way when it comes to our already difficult schedule, our already difficult profession, but you've just made this one thing better for wrestlers. I think it's their willingness to talk to the talent. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of what they want. 
I, same like I've tried to do at the Arizona show. It's like, look, they want to accomplish something. They have right. a goal here. I have this written. I want to accomplish this goal. So let's work together that we could both accomplish this goal the same way. I am not, I don't like to go about the way of, look, I'm telling you what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's I need the, I need this to be accomplished. And I need these bullet points hit on the way to that point. So right. you, 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 you have to have trust in your performer to give you the, to hit those bullet points, hit those marks and then get to the end point. But that's also that in the sense that we work together, that you have to know that performer. Can this performer perform what you are asking them in the way right. you think it needs to be performed? Because right. there's sometimes you have something written for my, my Arizona show, or I'm sure for them, they have something written with an end, with an end goal in mind. And then when you get to that goal, you're like, not the way I was expecting, but I like it. But I'm into or, it. Exactly, right. yeah. you know. But it, it, they, in the, in the end of it, they hit your, they hit their marks and they got to where they needed to be. It just it, they did it their way, but mm-hmm. they still gave you what you asked for. You know what I mean? So right. it's like I think they're. I like that. I like that. There's that dynamic there that we can work together to get the best thing possible. Because at the end of it, that's what you're gonna have. It's a, it's 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 that. It's a hodgepodge thing. A lot of minds working together to get this product you know mm-hmm. absolutely yeah i love it absolutely. my uh, my only i mean i could talk about that for hours yeah because i think i think it's such an interesting dynamic of of the industry that people don't understand of like you really are producing talent yes it's a constant production and you have to know your talent professionally and personally sometimes even it's like okay if you need the, you need this person to give you you know some kind of energy how can you either get that energy out of them or maybe they just maybe that's not the right person to give you that energy right. you know what i mean so right yeah figure it's all figuring it out it's all figuring it's all- it out on both both ends both accounts and it makes you, you a better performer you, you a better writer on both ends you know you can figure that out and i just feel like it's so hard to tell because you know going back to like we were talking about brett the hitman hard obviously yeah he's supposed to be a hitman that is not how that character worked out to be one of the greatest of all time and right. even undertaker it's like if it wasn't given to mark calloway just imagine the meeting where it's like so you're a corpse. Right. Uh, you are from Death Valley. Yeah. You're like your character is the Undertaker. You're the dead man. Like that could have gone south so many ways. Like For the sure. idea that the a character, the Undertaker, would now be the most iconic character, one of the most iconic characters in the world. It is. It's just a perfect storm, and it has to be a character that was given to someone that could. I think Mark is the only one that could get that character over. Yes. So it takes the, it takes a, an intelligent, emotionally intelligent promoter to be like that person can do this role, and no one else could do it. Yes. And there's so many times. How many times have you been pitched a bad idea as yes, a performer? Yes, that's exactly that too. You have too. to have so much trust yeah, in and, them. And the other side too. You know, what was your like, least? Like, what was the least favorite gimmick that you were ever pitched? Oh, <laughs> I I don't think I've ever said no. I've like the Norfernum stuff was like when I was, was like, all right, that's that's fun. I'll do it. And I was just a giant nerd. who got my ass whooped I, like the <laughs> first TNA? The TNA. Yeah. The first promo that we did, I think it was me and my partner sitting there in the locker room and uh, Taz walks out of the bathroom and it's flushing. He flushes the toilet and walks out of the bathroom. It's like, here's my intro. I'm shit. I'm shitty. That's <laughs> so like, and but you make you, you a lot of. I, I'm sure the term might exist in other art too. It's like turning chicken shit into chicken salad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not. It's it's. It was a part. It was a role. Uh, and I'm just gonna knock it out of the the park. And I did. Right. Like people, st- people will still connect me to EC3. You oh, know, yeah. EC3 will never 
live in a world where he doesn't get people still talking about Norfernum to yeah. him, you know, because I that was his first match was was me on television. Right. So like that that that's always going to be there. Yeah. Um, and then EC3, of course, there was this massive promotion. WWE was pushing him, and I I'm not sure exactly what happened. Aww. I don't know. I don't know. That's what. I, uh, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Oh, Never yeah. know. That, that I've been I've wrestled as poultry. I've been a turkey. You were a turkey. I wore a turkey suit as Norfernum because I lost the uh, whatever the turkey suit matches against. It was me and my partner Dewey Barnes against uh, the Bromans, and the Bromans beat us up and made us wear turkey suits. <laughs> I got to be in a segment with my favorite ever, Kurt Angle, because of the turkey suits. We came out. He was like rallying the troops, and me and my partner came out in our turkey suits. Like we got you, Kurt. Here we are. We're here now. <laughs> Yeah, I've been a chicken for Lucha Vavum, uh, one of their mm-hmm. one of their dancing chickens. Uh, I've wrestled with Lucha Vavum. I've wrestled a lot of different characters. When I was at my absolute lightest uh, and small thinnest, I wrestled as a character that was called the ninety pound weakling. I wasn't ninety <laughs> pounds, but it was called the ninety pound weakling. And I was in my little like swim trunks, and I got the whole bit was like bully getting sand kicked in his face. Yeah, uh, get my girlfriend taken away, oh. and then at the end of it. Him and my girlfriend leave, but at the end of it, me and his girlfriend oh. end up leaving. So oh. there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brought the house down. This skinny guy and this yeah. real thick chingona. I love it. <laughs> Walk off together. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you think when it comes to Kurt Angle, because I know he's one of your heroes, my you have a lot of respect for him. Was he one of the first um, former? like true wrestling athletes before Brock Lesnar, like he was an NCAA superstar. He was an Olympian superstar. Do you think he sort of ushered in this era of the blurred lines between UFC, between amateur wrestling and professional wrestling? Because I can't, I know a lot of these guys had a background in, in uh, athletics. A lot of the pro wrestlers were football players, whatever it might be. But it seemed like angle was one of the first ones to be like, I am an American hero, Olympic wrestler. And then obviously now we have Brock Lesnar, whose entire character is predicated upon his real-life UFC abilities. Do you feel like Kurt was the first one to be, like, athlete turned pro wrestler? Not that – you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Was he the first one to have that kind of crossover effect? I don't think – he's not the first one. No, there's tons of those guys. But I think he's the first one that just got wrestling, like, so easily, like – uh, he knew what wrestling was. I'm sure you know, like there's there was like Ken Shamrock and a lot of these oh, dudes of course, who did sure, real right. stuff. And like sparring is a lot of, is is very pro wrestling. It's just like a, 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 a pro wrestling or not a pro wrestling a a, a sparring like a fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, two guys on the mat, not fighting full on for real, yep. but give and take. And they're let me let me try to put you in something and take you down. Okay, now reverse it. And you know what I mean? It's like it's mm-hmm. that's pro wrestling. That's just that's. Right. Uh, uh, so you had guys that could do that, but Kurt was an entertainer type too. At the same time, they re- like I think it's just they realized he had personality and was an infectious personality and could play a role that you gave him. It's like oh, this guy's kind of a dweeb. Like we're gonna get, trying to get over as a dweeb with this Olympic hero stuff, and people are booing him. So, and then they you know he could play either role. Yep. Well, I think it's just because I think he had the entertainment factor that that's why it went so well for him. Right. Yes, I, I, I'm I, reminded now of Steve Blackman as well. Yeah, the martial was one. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not going to diss on him because he could dis he could dismember my entire body in probably four kicks or something. But talk about not performative. Right. I mean, but then like he was sometimes put into some cool stuff. I liked the uh, him and him and Ken Shamrock's Lions Den and dude. The I was just you know. thinking about the Lions Den yeah. match. That was a fun ass time actually for yeah. wrestling where Vince was like. 
Yeah, put him in a lion's den. And then yeah, it's like, yeah. what the hell is that? Gonna-? I remember being like, what the hell is that going to look like? And then when he, when I watched the pay-per-view, I was like, it's kind of cool. Like yeah, a I deep- was like, I dig it. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. I, I, it looks like a lion's den to me. That's yeah. fine. No, that was like, they would do some cool stuff. I think, I think it's just Kurt had just when they say they have it you know what i mean he just yeah. had he had the, the the tv entertainment it mm-hmm. that right. was able to combine it in a physical wrestling sense yeah do you still enjoy watching wrestling yes but i think i am more i am now i think as an adult able to pick out the wrestling i like you know you like yes like, i'm on board with this i like this right. i don't like this uh you know what i can dig this so what's what's your go-to what what would you want our listeners to be like you know they're just getting back into wrestling perhaps or maybe they've been watching wrestling for a long ass time what is peter avalon's go-to style of wrestling you could tune into my show championship wrestling from arizona on the fight tv network uh the fight tv app i think you'll love it Uh, (laughs) uh, I think AEW will help draw a lot of people back, honestly. I think Dynamite is doing the right mix of variety. They have given you a two-hour block. It's a nice mix of wrestlers and a nice mix of stuff to see. You have... uh, uh, like you have the young, you have the young bucks and par- private party will go out there and do this crazy, this insane match, and then you'll have uh, Sean Spears go out there and he'll give you a, a TV style wrestling match, and then you have right. uh, you have Britt Baker will go out there and have an American women style match, and then you have the yep. Joshi girls potentially on yeah. the same episode give you a Japanese style women's match, and then your main event's Chris fucking Jericho. I mean, like come on, this story it's a super show. It's it really this and the Every stories episode. that are and the stories are being told right now are fucking fun yeah they're fun it's fucking so much fun last night i was just uh i can't i was we were talking about it before we came on the air i had a party we had like 50 people at the house mm-hmm. we had football in the front and we had uh wrestling on the back and it's not like a wrestling crowd yeah maybe a handful of them are familiar with wrestling yeah we had 50 people in the back of the house watching wrestling watching wrestling three people watching football yes now I believe to be it. fair the green bay packers got <laughs> their ass kicked by by the 49ers to right. be fair the, the, the final the back, score though. was 30 to 8 i would have rather watched anything yeah other than that game Party but, was in the I'm, back. I'm sure it sure was it, it was, sure so, was it was just so fun to watch other people and a lot of them that hadn't wa- haven't watched since they were a kid, and they're all kind of they're like, oh, yes. this is I haven't watched since I was a kid, but oh fuck, this is fun. This is cool. What right. is this? Yeah. Oh, what right. is that? What he just kicked them? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no, what? it's cool. It's cool. It that. was really fun. Yeah, that's. Cool. And I think what AEW seems to be doing right now, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're just giving people what they want. And it's, for me, it's funny because sometimes the WWE seems to be reaching. I love Bray Wyatt. I love the Fiend. I really do. Yeah. I think Bray Wyatt is cutting some of the best promos I've ever seen. I think he is truly a genius when it comes to character. I love yeah. it. But why what why why the red light? You know, there's just so many areas where like the WWE is so close to being like that is almost perfect, but then they I I maybe they're just kind of reaching, I feel like. And they're like, let's set apart, let's set this apart. It's like, but that's not it. We, no one in the world has ever been like, I wish these wrestlers had a filter. I wish this match had a filter to make it look like it was set, you know, behind yeah. cellophane. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, do, it- I, I don't know. I think it just it adds to, it adds to what they're trying to go for. I guess. Is uh, it the Mark's fault? Is it our fault? Is it just Marks and the WWE is going to be like, no, that's what they, that's what the Marks, that's what the smart Marks want. Is it just, I don't know, what, what's wrong with it? Is it just like it hurts the eyes? It hurts the eyeballs too much? It's just hard to, it's just weird. Hard yeah, to it watch. Just looks weird. It's harder to see the match. It is I way just harder always, to see the I match. I like yeah. to watch the match. It's like a legit red light. Yeah. It looks like they're in an incubator. Yeah, it does, right? 
who's going to hatch. Do you feel like with uh, with Tony Khan and the Khan family, obviously one of the big complaints about Ted Turner, not complaints, but one of the areas that Vince McMahon would always sort of brag what he would brag about how he's better than ted turner he would say ted turner is in the television business who has a wrestling show i i am in the wrestling business who has a television show and i have a television show obviously that's that's the perspective of vince are you finding the w or are you finding aew what where do you think they are on that do you feel like aew is a wrestling company that has a television show or a television show um and the wrestling company you know is sort of the product I think they're still trying to find that happy medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they're still trying to find their happy medium. I honestly are. You have people there who are experienced television people and you have people who aren't experienced television people in the right sense. There's a lot of guys that have been on television stepping up to a d- different role within television. So I right. think they're still trying to find their their stride in that sense and trying to find a combination of, of, of the two because it's like you can't just give a full sport I don't think right. you can give a full, uh, a full sport-oriented product potentially without some haha silliness in there, of uh, course. And, and vice versa. You can't just have a full haha product without some serious in there when it comes to wrestling. So I think they're still trying to find their happy medium within that and uh, uh, turn the wrestling product into more of a television show, and then take this television show and turn it into a television wrestling product. So I think they're coming. They're trying to turn the knobs. You know what I mean? Turn the knobs to find some equal, you know? Tweaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to take tweaking for sure and finding that stride uh, with a budding company. Yeah, and you have to go through growing pains. Absolutely. And then there's for sure been tons of growing pains, but they learn. They learn and people are open about, uh, open and they want to just fix things and make things uh, streamlined. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, people ask what could be better, what could be improved, you know? Stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I love it. Do you feel it? And we'll we'll let you get out of here again. We're talking to Peter Avalon, the librarian. You can watch him Wednesdays on AEW's Dynamite. Dynamite. It is a very, they're they're just, you know, they're doing some incredible things and they're really giving the audience what they want. Uh, As far as the wrestling boom that we're in right now, do you find that this is how much longer? Because obviously everything comes and goes, ebbs and flows, ups and downs. Do you feel like this boom is. Is it just is it cresting or or what do you think as as these new networks come out as these new shows come out um, wrestlers are having a home to go to for the first time ever you can be on Im- Impact you can be on Ring of Honor you can do New Japan you got AEW you got all the WWE shows do you feel like this has longevity at this point I want to say yes and no I don't think it's going to be like a bubble pop and then you know it's gone. But I for sure think it'll have a, a it'll start to go down and then find some equ- and then level out. You know what I mean? Just right. like anything. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we have a, a hopefully it's a nice steady line and not a drastic yeah. fall with tragedy like that we were right. talking about in two thousand and seven. Right. You right. know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing that I've noticed with with the guys that we've talked to, uh, unlike I think the previous generation of wrestlers, is that you guys are all healthy. Like no, every yeah. time that I've hung out with a wrestler, no one's really. Get drinking like drinking super hard. Yeah. Everyone's talking about where they're gonna go work out. They're talking about what their no, they meal made plan me is. feel all guilty when we were getting hammered in. L- I was getting hammered in L. A. I had like thirteen beers, and I'm looking at these people, and they're just like, "No, I'll have another water." I'm like, "What is happening?" You both opened the episode talking about the five Ks you've ran, and I was late today because I overslept. Like I said, I'm pathetic. It is. It, it, it is. It was late in the day. It was like one p.m. Yeah. See, I'm tired. It's been a long week. No, that is fine. Week. And I did not again. I did not run a five. I slowly walked clenching my butt cheeks together so I would not poop myself. You ran that 5K with clenched butt cheeks is what I'm going to tell people. Nightmare work. (laughs) Nightmare. 
That is it. But it's just a much healthier generation. Yeah, it's- I think I think you're right. There is a that I think has to do with also just the uh, with just people in general and how much. Uh, uh, more science and health science is available and food science is available. So yeah. it's like people, all this is coming out. Exercising is, I think, is is hip. It's cool to do cool. in some sense for just kind of find what kind of exercise works for you. You got CrossFit wrestlers, you have bodybuilder wrestlers, you have these kind of wrestlers, that kind of wrestlers. Yep. Uh, you, you have some who barely even exercise in the gym. They just eat right and do functional other sure. stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it really depends. It's just, yeah. It, but yeah, I think you're right. It's a it is a healthier generation of wrestlers. It feels athlete. like I mean, from where I sit. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I mean, I love that. I don't need my wrestlers dead. It doesn't have to be Mickey Rourke's version of what a wrestler needs to be. No. I I really want like you know Scott Hall and and, and Jake the Snake and I I want all these guys to be healthy. I don't yeah. want them to be dead. No death. Um, Not like because that. Because it's it's just better if they're alive. I find you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, it does seem I do wonder. And just lastly here, just sort of a larger question. I just wonder, we live in a world now, it's so hyper-polarized on so many levels, uh, whether it be socioeconomic, whether it be political, whatever it is. It seems like as a country right now, wrestling is providing a level of escapism that a lot of people are craving because everything is fucking high. Everything is fire and brimstone. Everything is like unprecedented. And it's like, it's really not. But anyway, that's what the that's the going narrative. No, you're right. I was going to say, the only thing I was going to add on top of that is I think it, wrestling has always kind of been that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know people have talked about, like, wrestling can be racist and wrestling can be sexist and wrestling can do this and wrestling can do that. Like, when it was sexist, when it was racist, it was because it was it was bringing out real emotions out of people to mm-hmm. deal with. Right. Yeah. Uh, and for other people to deal with. And, and you brought out real 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 emotion to deal with and it's like oh if, you know this guy's a piece of garbage i hate him that's real real emotion even if it's on the other end of uh, that it's negative and gross but it made you have to question things and deal with things and try to understand things and right um and it's like you and i could hate each other mm-hmm. you know and we're at a show watching somebody do despicable things and i'll lean over and go you see this piece of shit unbelievable yeah, and look at that we're, conne- we're connecting I, yeah, now totally. you know that's that's I feel wrestling has always done that. Yeah. Wrestling's yeah. always had a weird connection. Like I have made some of the best friends in wrestling because it's like obviously the first thing that we know that we have the connection is is wrestling and then you start discovering different things about each other. Yeah. And of course wrestling is just reflective. These things don't yes. exist in a vacuum. Yes. I mean like Jake uh, Swagger um, I believe it was Jack Swagger in the WWE. Jack Swagger, right? yeah, he's his, Jake Hager uh, now, yeah. now he's Jake in AEW, right? Jake Hager, yeah, yeah. But his his Tea Party type, his whole like you know Tea Party dude, like yes. these things happen. Nation of Domination that was reflective. Yes, uh, you know when when Crush. Uh, came out with the motorcycle gang that was reflective yes it's not as if wrestling is racist in reality society is it's, turns it's, out it, it's social it's social commentary all yeah. the time you gotta you know right. what, was, what was eddie's thing the lie cheat and steal i think at first it was kind of supposed to be shitty and then everyone was like no that's dope i like doing that too like yeah. be yeah. shitty and then and then and it's over as a good thing you know like speaking of i wish wrestlers were around that's yes, the thing we, we should not we should not lose any more eddie's at a young age because mm-hmm. that man i just was i was just watching some of his promos the other day again like he is just he's so good yes well awesome katie do we want to ask what uh do we want to do a promo from the past this week or a match from the past i uh, uh, my pitch is a promo from the past 
Let's All right, it. let's do it. I love that idea. Who is this? It is the one and only Macho Man, Randy Savage. Randy Savage. It's the cream of the crop promo from 1987. All right. I'm talking about the former Intercontinental Champion of the World, Macho Man nothing Randy Savage. Nothing means nothing. Nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? Or I'm talking about all the way to the top, yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top, oh yeah. Macho Madness, yeah, has got more to offer than President Jack Tunney thinks that I got. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something right now. Cards stacked against the Macho Man Randy Savage in WrestleMania 3. Yeah, let me say it, yeah. Let me say it out. Loud. And let me point to the president of the World Wrestling Federation. The Macho Man Randy Savage is not happy with your decision. Yeah, I am the cream in the World Wrestling Federation. Wait, wait a minute, and there is no doubt about it. Yeah, you mean Gene Okerlund. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Oh. Wait, wait a minute, though, Randy. I've got to ask you very seriously. Do you blame Mr. Jack Tunney, the distinguished president of the World Wrestling Federation, for Ricky Steamboat being the Intercontinental Champion today? Yeah, I do, yeah. Outside interference, yeah. In my moment of glory. Yeah, no, I'm living in a nightmare. And I am the cream. And now, not only the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship belt must fall, but the World Heavyweight Championship belt. Because Hulk Hogan, yeah. I am the cream, yeah. The cream of the crop. And there is no one that does it better than the Macho Man Randy Savage. On balance, off balance, doesn't matter. I'm better than you are, yeah. And I'm talking to everyone in the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm even talking to President Jack Tunney, yeah. I'm on my way. And nothing is gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me. You know, just out of curiosity, Randy, and I certainly don't want to diminish your tremendous uh, God-given talents, but but I'm very curious. I haven't seen Elizabeth lately. Yeah, she's on the outside of the ring. Does she interfere in matches? Yeah. Nothing zero. Yeah, pure athlete. Yeah, and I've been uh, yeah maligned from the top to the bottom, and because they can't handle the macho man Randy Savage, the cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. All right, there it is. Macho Man Randy Savage, one of the greatest promo cutters. Promo cutters? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was the best. Oh, yeah. He's Just come in. He's I love his shoulders always up. Just, oh, yeah. And my so understanding is, like, that was a bit of an extension of who he was as a person, but my understanding is that Macho was pretty much Macho Man. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love yeah. this. Those These promos are cut in... Uh, the Arizona show, we would take a van. A lot of production crew would take a van, uh, and cameraman Shane would would cut just these Macho Man promos, just his own sometimes, sure, and then yeah. these classic ones. And that was always the running thing. We would just we would find a playlist of all Macho Man promos and plug that into the aux cable, and that's what we would play off for music. Is just Macho Man. That's promos. such a wrestler thing to so, do. And, and, yes, and it had to be him. It had to be <laughs> just him. a bunch of wrestlers sitting in a van. Yes, knowing every word to promos. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Peter Avalon. The Librarian, you can watch him on AEW every Wednesday. You can find him on Instagram at PPA all day. PPA all day. Twitter, P Avalon. Um, so make sure to go check him out and support him. And Peter, is there anything else coming up that you want to tell the audience about? Anyone, uh, anything you want them to look out for? Yes, stay tuned. We have uh, Milestone Championship Wrestling. 
from Hollywood returns to the Ocean View Pavilion uh, on Sunday, December 8th. It's our awesome. final event of the year. The uh, Arizona State Championship from my show is going to be defended. We have NWA stars in the house and we have all of our top Hollywood stars in the house and you might even see yours truly. So I would say check out Milestone from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Absolutely. And if you're in Arizona, go check out or in the surrounding state, go check out uh, Peter's promotion. It will be a wonderful evening of pro wrestling. You will love sure. Championship Wrestling from Arizona. It's great. I love it. Um, Katie, anything else you want to say? I got I'm good. I got nothing, guys. I got, you got nothing. nothing? Wow. I've just I've been thoroughly enjoying our time today. Me too. I love it. And I love doing this show. Thank you all so much for listening. And again, we'll be exclusive on Spotify beginning in late January or February. So go out there, get the Spotify app. The show is still free, free to download. Nothing changes. You just have to get a different app. And it's got green. It's green, which is my favorite color. So there you go. That's that's pretty cool. Um, thank you all so much for supporting the show. We've got a great response so far. All the live shows, whenever I mention kind of fun, they cheer Katie. They cheer and cheer. <gasps> That's exciting. Um, they, yeah. they love Katie Dirks. Wow. And so it was great to see everyone this past weekend for last podcast on the left live. Buffalo, thank you for coming out. Northampton, thanks for coming out so much. And of course, Portland, Maine. Y'all were so sweet this weekend. And, uh, and I absolutely loved performing for you. So all right, everyone, go to iTunes, rate and review this show. Let the world know that you just love kind of fun because you know what? It's kind of fun. All right, everyone, hail yourselves. And Katie, your catchphrase. Okay, uh, Royce Isaacs really got me on salt your pasta. That's the full catchphrase is Royce Isaacs really got me on salt your pasta. You are almost 40 years old, Katie. How did it take that long? Almost for 40? Know- I'm nowhere near 40. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I am I almost want, 40. I want, I want that to be my, I'm nowhere near 40 nowhere is my catchphrase. I'm nowhere near 40. Okay, that's good. But it did, I mean, I can't believe you weren't salting your pasta. Everyone knew to salt the pasta. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know I know to do it, but I just like that as a catchphrase. All right. Salt your pasta. I don't know if that's it. Salt your pasta. There but I'm it nowhere is. near 40. I love it. It's like Warren Zevon. Enjoy every sandwich. Your final. We'll put that on your tombstone. Salt your pasta. Salt it. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.